0: This is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's episode is a part one of a two-part interview with Stephanie Good and Sarah Bolschweiler as we talk about the phase B of learning that's part of the Learning Centered School model. And so if you want to catch phase A, go back to the previous two podcasts and listen to phase A, and this is phase B of learning. At so this time, we join the podcast with Stephanie Good, Sarah Balschweiler, and host Kendall Terry. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today uh, Stephanie Good and Sarah Balschweiler. Stephanie teaches our preschool uh, three through four, three through five, there's some five year olds in there, um, program. And Sarah does our upper school, high school humanities. Um she's also both of them have helped in mentoring teachers, uh, new teachers to our, our school and stuff as well. And so uh, they've both been with us for a while. And um, we're going to have them today talk about phase B of learning. So if you've listened to the previous uh, podcast uh, sessions, you'll, you'll hear Nick and Nicole talking about phase A of learning. And this is all part of the Learning Center School model where we're looking at how the brain learns and making sure that we're instructing in the classroom in a way that aligns with what research says is how the brain learns. And so we're gonna talk about phase B of learning. So first, just welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks.
0: And um, I know Stephanie uh, has done the podcast before, but you'd have to go back to like the second podcast I think I ever recorded. (laughs) Uh, was with Stephanie and Sarah uh, we realized that has never done one of our podcasts, so I'm excited to have you on the podcast thank you Uh, so I would just want to start then with uh, Sarah um, welcoming you but giving you a chance to kind of talk to the audience of how did you get to CBA and then we'll get into phase B I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot there you don't have to give a ton of information there but just how did you come to CBA um, in that process
1: Okay. I came in an unusual way, which I guess is common among people at CVA, but uh, I think it's fun to have so many people here with diverse experience and knowledge. So um, I have a bachelor's in English literature and a graduate certificate in teaching English as a second language. And I was working at Maryville College in their intensive English language school, teaching people from other places how to speak English, and wanted to move on to high school. So I applied to UT for um, graduate work in high school English and ended up starting at CBA the same time I started at UT, (laughs) which I love. One of the greatest things about CBA is it's a laboratory of sorts where we're always encouraged to try the latest techniques, find out what works, do research and apply it in our classroom. And so while I was at UT, for four years working on my graduate degree. Um, I would take a class and have an opportunity literally the next day to try something in that class in my classroom, which is a rare opportunity for a lot of graduate students to do that, so.
0: That's awesome, I remember uh, getting the email from you that you were finishing your degree and, and I know that that was a relief on you.
1: Yes, but I do miss it at times because it was amazing to go there you know, I'm teaching poetry to my AP Lit students and at the same time I'm taking a poetry class from a professor who's been published in the New Yorker, you know, oh, wow. and, and part of a graduate poetry writing group. It's, it's awesome.
0: That's very cool. Uh, and so let's just jump right into the what we mean when we say Phase B of learning. And, and you guys can kind of bounce back and forth however you'd like when, when we're answering questions. But um, with Phase A, we talked about with Nicole and Nick that that's recognizing that pattern looking for the being there experience the shared experience of the classroom that sort of thing and then we get into uh, a little deeper understanding now and kind of how we get into real learning if you would say happening in the classroom so what is phase B why don't we just start there with you guys helping understand that and then what does that look like in a classroom at CBA Um, so
2: phase B would be um adding more of the language uh, to the learning. Um, So you've got those images and those patterns that you're creating in the brain from that phase A. um, And that's happening in that right frontal lobe. Um, So imagination, memory, experiences. um, And that's where all of that being there experience um, has taken place. And so now you're back in the classroom and you're trying to add that left side of the brain um, with logic and facts and vocab. Um, and that's where our uh, key points and our skills and our concepts are gonna come in. And um, and so we're gonna be adding that into uh, the learning to just tie it all together. So then it really um, allows it to sink into the brain and there's comprehension and understanding. So I think the biggest part of uh, phase B is this is where you want understanding to happen
1: mm. it's interesting my mom uh, was an educator before I was born but she always remembered one concept that she repeat to me she said kids need to have a hook to hang it on
0: oh, that's something good.
1: she learned in her teacher training which applies so well to this mm-hmm. um, I can teach my kids a new word but if they don't have a something to attach it to in their brain they won't remember it and won't have meaning for them Mm -hmm. so even things like teaching vocabulary in my class I don't go out and look for a list of the top 100 words kids need to know in high school because I found that kids that doesn't really have any meaning for them they're not very motivated and it's hard to understand those words but my kids are going to use the text that we've read that's our experience our shared experience to find the words they want to know more about. And every time we use those words in practice, they have that hook to hang it on. They remember, oh, that's the scene in the book where this happened or this person was talking. And even now I remember words we did in my class, you know, five, six years ago. And I'll remember the exact quotation from the book mm-hmm. and what character said it. And then I I always remember what it means.
0: Absolutely. And when I think of phase B, that's what I'm thinking of is, is vocabulary. And so this is a little different in the way sometimes people think about education of, like you said, many times people want to start with, well, they need to know the words that, you know, go along with the activity or that go along with the experience. And so we kind of flip that a little bit by saying, let's, let's have an experience. Let's read the, you know, this, this novel, or let's go and and do this activity. Let's go out on a being there, whatever. And then as we're reflecting on that, now that we have that to reflect back to, we're going to add vocabulary and give it meaning and and I have found that students respond to that a lot better and and I know even my personal uh, education it's you know how many classes did we set in that was all about just memorizing and so you know you'd memorize it and drill 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 you come in put that down on a on a test or a quiz or whatever and then a lot of that's just gonna get dumped because your brain doesn't have a place to put it you don't have a, a real scenario to attach it to there's no emotion there's no senses tied to it and so what happens well it it goes away and so looking at it from the perspective of let's start activating those senses and, and emotions and all of that that happens in phase B, now that that has been activated, how can we attach the vocabulary, the, the meaning of what we're really wanting to get to? It's not that we don't do that, it's that we do it in the process that helps to hook it uh, a little bit more to, to that. So you guys both just presented to our staff yesterday thought you did a great job talking about this we we have regular PD every Wednesday and so we spent about 45 minutes to an hour yesterday with our staff of you guys doing a lesson on that and so walk me through Sarah the way that you presented that to our staff to help that kind of come alive and how you used the shared experience that we all had uh, to to go off of that just like we would do in the classroom with students
1: yeah it's funny when we got together to plan yesterday's lesson um we were a little stumped like we had all this information from the book but we thought well how do we create a meaningful lesson for pd that uh, our teachers can remember and take something away from and then it clicked i thought well why don't we do what they tell us to do in the lesson so the week before um our whole school had got together for our a big annual event is the Poetry Out Loud recitation competition that our high school does and um, at that competition we had visiting um, a former poet laureate of Knoxville and um, she got up her name is Rhea Carmen got up and presented one of her poems at the end of the family oh. gathering it was a very meaningful experience and I think all the teachers especially enjoyed that because she in her poem talked about being a teacher and a poet and a mother and not having time to do everything that she wants to do Um, so I thought wait a minute we've already done phase a with our staff we had a shared being there experience um, and this is one that I'm comfortable teaching because this is what I do in my literature classroom so um, when I came to PD I brought a copy of the poem we read through it again and then we made observations in first I like to scaffold it a little. So first I had people, we talked about what kinds of observations you could make and how to annotate them. And then I had people take a minute to look quietly individually, what observations could they make about the structure or sound or meaning of the poem. And then I had them in small groups compare their observations and annotations. And then they sent someone up to the board to annotate so we could all see it and it's a fun shared experience and i like to do that in class too as a way when they're in groups i can waitress around the room Mm -hmm. um, check how they're doing how they're understanding give them some of the vocabulary they might need and then when they come up to the board i can reinforce those ideas find a few sneaky teachable moments as stephanie called them where i can introduce a new way a poetic term or an observation that adds on to theirs and then we come away as a collective with a greater understanding because as a group we um, can all bring something to that conversation
0: you know i had that that experience as an as a member of the the i guess student body yesterday uh PD, and you know i was going through the activity and one of the very first annotations i had made of that poem i didn't know i didn't know how to make the annotation to be honest it was we were looking at like the flow of this of this poem that she had done and in my brain it was the when i'm reading it i feel like i had to like get faster at some points and then other points you could feel that like slow down but it was it was like this hurried process when that was how i kind of interpreted mm-hmm. it. and i remembered how she delivered it and she kind of escalated as the poem went on uh, as well in her delivery and it was like i just made a side note of like i feel like it just it needs to like have that kind of intensity and but I didn't know like I I didn't have any markings I didn't know how to mark Mm. a poem to to fit that and it was funny because whenever you had somebody come to the board that was one of the things that was brought up but it was it was through that collective of hearing everybody talk that this whole idea of punctuation came up Mm -hmm. and it was like well there was there was a period at the very end of the poem but until then it was just commas right and and so it was like Oh, you know, it was that for me as kind of a student in that setting of that's really what I was seeing, but I didn't know how to put it down, you know, and, mm-hmm. and saying, well, how would I mark that or what would I do with it? So it was great having that experience because I'm sure students have that when they're going through that with you an in, in annotation of a poem or, or a, a piece of literature or whatever of I know what I'm trying to say here but I don't know how to put it down and then hearing other people talk about it and then hearing the teacher add the the right vocabulary or point out the one little thing here or there of oh well that makes a whole lot of sense Mm -hmm. of how to do that then
1: yeah and it was fun I there were people in the room who pointed out things I had never noticed either you know and I think a lot of times in education we want to we want to be experts in our field but I And we are constantly learning, but I love that through this collaboration, it's okay to not know everything. I learn things from my students all the time. They'll notice something in a poem. The other day I had a student notice something in a poem. I had taught, for eight years I've taught this poem, never noticed this one really important thing that a student just brought up. And I thought, wow. This is why we collaborate, because together we're a collective genius. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. And I had also made a uh, annotation on mine. Um, I didn't connect it to what the humanities department—they uh, were kind of all seated near each other—and they had really gone into this idea of understanding, like she's making an, an alliteration to other poets, and, yeah, and that's where the yeah. uh, allusions. So I had, I had commented on there of the way that she was using thief in the poem and then the connection to liberation freedom like it was throughout that she would make this overlap of thief which you don't think of as being free right yeah and then connecting it to freedom and and being free because of you stealing away that time to write and so it was just it was cool to hear other people's ideas in that moment of oh that's I see that yeah I didn't I didn't make that connection myself, other than I was just seeing this pattern that she was using in her poem.
1: Yeah, one of our humanities teachers noticed it was an allusion to Frederick Douglass. And I also had taught Frederick Douglass in my class. (laughs) I had taught his autobiography several years and I didn't notice the allusion to his words until that teacher brought it out and it's just a fun, beautiful moment that's to learn awesome. from each other.
0: And so that was an example of something that you would think of in that, like, senior level or, or even maybe, you know, just a high school level class with with annotation and, and breaking down po- poetry. Although we do break down poetry and, and make annotations throughout our progression here. That doesn't just happen at the high school level. I, I
1: imagine you could do this with the youngest of kids if they can even see a poem laid out on the page you might make observations like, oh, I noticed they're using a capital letter at the beginning of each line. Or I noticed that this tree looks like, I mean, this poem looks like a tree or, you know, so definitely. It can start earlier, for sure. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and we even, in preschool, had just done, we call them exploration days. And so they get to go to each of the preschool classrooms. And because Poetry Out Loud was happening that Wednesday, we wanted to highlight it Mm -hmm. in our classrooms. And so we did an exploration day just on poems for preschool. But it is, like, we can... You know simply even just look at the poem or we're looking for rhyming words because that's a big thing in preschool Um, and so it is possible to do it even on the lowest of Mm -hmm. levels so
0: and so stephanie why don't you go into i know you were saying that with poetry Uh, give us some other examples in preschool how are you kind of helping students through that phase b so it's a little bit different with preschool because we are uh, restricted with some of like we can't put them in The vans and take them on being their experiences. You know, there's some rules that that are different for preschool. Although you guys do get out of the classroom a lot with experiences, and you bring in a lot of guest speakers and introduce kids to, you know, those being their shared experiences. So you guys are very creative with that. I think what you guys do is is fantastic with our preschool kids, and it's a lot of play and, like, let them get out and experience the world and, and, you know, start to work on relationships and and all of that stuff. So what does – Phase B, when we're talking about adding vocabulary, we're talking about, um, you know, adding the words that you're trying to get them to add that align with standards and that sort of thing. What does that look like in preschool?
2: Um, I think a lot of it is the way that we, you know, do our classroom. So, you know, if we have a habitat theme, then all of our centers are going to be around that theme. We have immersion tables that they can explore objects. So it's a lot about giving them those images and then getting to see their curiosity happen in phase B. Um, And so that's where we're going to add that vocabulary. Sometimes it can just simply be through a teachable moment of they're playing at somewhere, like maybe they're playing at um, my animal shelter and we're talking about animals' needs and um, the way that they Uh, play like the other day um, I had a student who was like this cat doesn't have a a home and so then we were able (laughs) to help them understand like how they would be cared for at the animal shelter and that was the standard that we're trying to um, focus on is the animal needs so sometimes it's through play Um, sometimes it's even just kind of what we've all been talking about too that prior experience They get really excited, especially if I'm talking about maybe the zoo and um, the animals there. So they're going to get really excited when they can say, I've been there. Or maybe we're wanting to understand, um, you know, between a wild animal and a pet. And then, of course, we're going to have you know them really interested in that when they want to share about their pets at home. Right. But then it's that sneaky moment of where I'm sneaking in kind of those key points, those standards, what I want them to really understand and take away. But they're so excited. And I think that's even kind of what happened in PD with our, with our staff is, you know, we got to be the student. And I know even myself sitting there, there were so many – aha moments of getting to hear our staff get up there and share something and I was like I did not think of that but it really sunk in with what they're saying and so I think collaboration is even a big thing um, especially in preschool because they're all gonna want to share um, and as long as we're all listening then you know I feel like they're getting a lot of takeaways even from each other and their experiences that they're yeah. having.
0: This has been the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you'd like to find out more about our school, you can visit us on our webpage www.claytonbradleyacademy.org and find us on social media sites at Clayton Bradley Academy or at CBA STEM. We hope you have a wonderful day.